It's Monday, and you know what that means is another episode of Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I am your host, Dave Holcomb. We have the latest NFL news coming at you in about the next half hour on our show. Of course, it's a big week for baseball with the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game on Monday and Tuesday. Last week was the 4th of July. I hope everybody had a great 4th and weekend somewhere, um, enjoying a vacation, hopefully. Despite a big week for Major League Baseball, let's let's get to some NFL news. One of our my my leading story this week is about the inflation of passing yards in the NFL. Uh, ESPN had a story with a chart of the last 25 years passing numbers around the league, and it was a pretty interesting chart as pretty much. All across the board, it was it was totals for the whole league, attempts, gross passing yards, and passer rating have steadily increased, uh, and the chart stems back 25 years, all the way back to 1987, and there's been a gradual incline each year. As if you look back to 1987, there were only 93,000 passing yards that year. Last year was by far the leading year in passing yards with 125,000. So an over 30,000 yard increase. And there was a 5,000 yard increase from 2010 to 2011, which previously 2010 was the passing yards total. And I would love to hear a lot of input from my listeners out there about what they think about this possible inflation of passing yards. Don't forget you can tweet at me at dmholcomb or you can email me at dmholcomb06 at gmail.com. Back to the inflated passing yards. It's It's gotten a little ridiculous if you ask me about the number of yards, the number of attempts, also the, the number of attempts have steadily increased. There were only 13,000 passing attempts in 1987. 2011, uh, 25 years later, over 17,000 attempts. Of course, I think you can credit some of the increases to the increase of the number of teams in the league. That'll obviously increase um, the the passing yards and, and attempts as the, the number of games have increased. We've seen a steady incline in passing yard, passing games, um, passing yards, and the importance of of passing. It, it just really in the last decade, really even in the last five years, you could say, with with the Tom Brady's, the the Drew Brees, of course, Peyton Manning before the injury. Um, the the list really goes on. You you see somebody like Matt Stafford throw for five thousand yards. 5,000 yards. That has never been done before. But, I mean, it has been done, but it was done by two people, Dan Marino, and then Drew Brees got it just a few years ago. And Matt Stafford? I, I know Matt Stafford, I mean, he's not even a pro bowler. 
I mean, unfortunately for him, he didn't even make the Pro Bowl last year. So despite his 5,000-yard total, he's not even a Pro Bowler. And he's just, it's just been ridiculous, the, the, the statistics for passing yards. And and the, there's really a question that the NFL could pose. Well, how does it evolve or, or will it evolve back into a defensive type league or or is this going to continue to to increase will the passing yards continue to inflate as you say as you could say i i think they've changed the rules back in the 70s and 80s and they as as the years have gone on they've changed the rules to increase um passing or or to make it easier to to complete first downs with passing um, lots of those rule changes came in the 1970s. I think the NFL really could ask themselves, is it time to change maybe a couple rules back as we've seen offenses and quarterbacks get so good that they're uncoverable? Rob Gronkowski, he's uncoverable, with especially with Tom Brady as his quarterback. He cannot be stopped. And this is the way the NFL is going right now. And it was a very interesting article in reading about how, what the NFL can do to adapt to this inflated passing. It, could the NFL see an adaption in rules? Could, could we take out you know, illegal contact? Could, could we put back um, or be a little more flexible with pass interference? Questions to be posed, and I'd love to hear your opinion again. Um, not a lot going on this week in the NFL, so I, I wanted to start out with something that we could have a chat about between me and my listeners, and um, also something that's brought up in the article that I read on ESPN.com, the the importance that of safeties and linebackers being able to cover has never been so important as, again, these tight ends and four four wide receiver sets uh, five wide receiver sets or a bunch of formations, two tight end sets. You need guys besides your cornerbacks to be able to cover, especially your safeties need to be able to cover, and now your linebackers. You need to match up a linebacker with a guy like Rob Gronkowski or a safety on Rob Gronkowski, and that, that could be the difference between a win or a loss um, in the NFL today, a matchup between a tight end and a safety is something that... <laughs> would never have affected a game so much 20 years ago. And I just wanted to know, or, or um, wanted to ask, where we think the evolution is going from here. Will we see any further evolution in 2012? We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with uh, some news on the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. If you remember, that was the matchup in Super Bowl One. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Hope you're enjoying our Clearance Clearwater Revival music, a little bit of uh, baseball feel as we are at the All-Star break. I'm a big baseball fan myself, in addition to being a big football fan, so I'm uh, excited for the Home Run Derby and the All-Star game coming from Kansas City um, on Tuesday night. 
Of course, my Pittsburgh Pirates are in first place at the break for the first time since 1997. A whole 11 games above 500. You believe that? 11 games. So that, that'll be a very exciting second half for that city, Pittsburgh, and the rest of that central division, in addition to a bunch of other races around the league. But back to football, we're actually going to talk about Kansas City, who's hosting that all-star game this uh, week. But first, we can talk about their opponent in Super Bowl One, the Green Bay Packers. And we saw an article this week, or this past week, written by Joel Tradian. I know I cited him on last week's episode um, in his article about the Lions. He's a Lions fan, so uh, a Lions fan being a little critical of the Green Bay Packers is not a big surprise, but he, he did write a very good article about the reasons to the, the reasons why the, the Green Bay Packers shouldn't be comfortable where they are right now. And what I really liked about Joel's article was what he pointed out that the, the Packers last year were a very one-dimensional team. And it doesn't really matter what sport you're playing, if it's baseball, if it's football, what, whatever. You cannot be one-dimensional. You cannot beat people the same way every single time. The best teams can win in multiple ways. And we didn't see that with Green Bay last year. Green Bay outscored people, and the way they outscored people was throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. And there's no, there was basically no running attack there for them last year. I, Ryan Grant was coming off an injury from 2010 that was he was out virtually the whole season. He returned and he, he didn't have a bad year paired with James Starks, but they they really didn't commit to running the ball. And Aaron Rodgers had a fantastic season, an MB, MVP season, but you cannot depend so much on Rodgers all the time. And that defense, although I'm the, the stats don't tell 100% how good that defense was, that pass defense gave up a lot of garbage yards late in games, and that's why they were ranked 30th or 31st in the league, whatever it was, bottom three in pass defense. Um, but that is also something that they can improve on. Their, their pass defense... Their overall defense, they gave up over 20 points a game last year, which isn't bad, but it, was, it wasn't it was up to that defensive standard with talented players like Charles Woodson, Clay Matthews, and, and others. Get, get a running game. And, and unfortunately, I think the reason for concern is what Joel's saying is they're not going to have a running game. Ryan Grant is now out of the Packers. Uh, organization. Me personally, I, I wrote an article about James Starks actually being the Packers' most indispensable player um, on their whole team, including Rodgers. Uh, you can check that out under my profile. Uh, it's a little bit older now, but it's, it's still relevant. The only other running back, or the, the other running back behind James Starks now on the Packers' roster is Alex Green. And who's Alex Green? Huh. That's a good question. Alex Green is a second year back coming off of an injury. Uh, he's recovering from knee surgery. The Packers being content with going into this season with James Starks as their starter, who's who's not a bad running back, but could certainly have better running backs. 
and his backup is Alex Green, a, a nobody who is coming off of major knee surgery. Not everything is hunky-dory in Cheeseland in, in Wisconsin, I would say. They had a fantastic 15-1 season. A lot of people were saying that they were one of the best teams ever to not reach the Super Bowl. I think that they were, I think they were overhyped. I, I, I really do. And we saw what happened when they couldn't score. Uh, we saw it against Kansas City when they couldn't throw the ball. Aaron Rodgers was out of sync. They didn't even score 20 points. And that, that was their low point in the season. Um, the lowest total, actually, I think it was the only game they didn't score 20 points, which was quite an accomplishment for the whole season. But even against New York, uh, in a game that they couldn't really pass, uh, the, the Giants really got a nice pass rush on Rodgers, got him out of rhythm. Green Bay couldn't beat anybody any other way. They, they couldn't contain other offenses enough to, to win games. They always had to outscore people, and they couldn't do anything with the running game. It really hurt them uh, in, the, in the playoffs last year. So in what could be the best division in football this this season with the Bears improving and the Lions, of course, better than they've been in the past, Green Bay could see some unanticipated hiccups uh, this season. I still expect them to be a playoff team, but 14-2, 15-1, again, is, is very unlikely with, with the offense um, so heavy on the pass right now. Switching over to that losing team from Super Bowl one, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, a lot of people really haven't been talking about them this year, and that's why I think this article by Justin Henry was such a good piece of writing, bringing the Chiefs back into relevance. Uh, we've, and Out there in the AFC West, we've talked so much about the Broncos and Peyton Manning, of course, San Diego is always lying in the weeds, and you never really know what you're going to get from them. Usually they're a slow starting team, but last year they started fast and then basically collapsed or, or had a horrible October and November and couldn't, couldn't rebound. So can't, where, where does Kansas City lie in all this? Well, I think, I, I agree with Justin in, in his article that Kansas City is going to make some noise this year. Kansas City had a lot of injuries last year. Now, remember, in the first week, they lost maybe their best defensive player in Eric Berry. They have a lot of, actually, quite a few other great defensive players. Um, Tomba Haley, uh, Derek Johnson, to name two. And what I think makes their defense great is defensive coordinator Romeo Cornell. And he is now going to be that head coach out there in Kansas City with Todd Haley leaving. But I, I like the Cornell hire. He obviously fit really well at the end of the season with Kansas City, as we mentioned earlier, defeating Green Bay, their only defeat in the regular season. Cornell has this team going in the right direction, and Cornell has been a great defensive coach everywhere he's been. He was in New England for their multiple Super Bowls. He was a, a Giants assistant coach in the early 90s and um, I guess the, the late 80s as well, getting two Super Bowl rings there. He, what, what he needs to do now is step up and be a great head coach. He wasn't able to do that in Cleveland a few years ago was, um, to the demise of Cleveland Brown fans. 
um, unfortunately for them. But he did have one winning season at 10-6, and six, one of the better seasons Cleveland has seen in recent years. But he wasn't able to put all those pieces together. But I think he's got the pieces in Kansas City to do it. Jamal Charles, remember, is coming back. He was injured almost all of last year. Matt Castle got injured in the middle of last season. He's going to be back. If he can rebound and have a season more like he had in 2010. Remember, this is a team that was a playoff team in 2010. They were 10-6. and six, And Matt Castle had a awesome touchdown-to-interception ratio. 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions that season. If he can get close to that, Jamal Charles, whoever else they compare with him, uh, probably a Dexter McCluster um, in the backfield, can can rush for... It's not crazy to think they could rush for a combined 2,000 yards and with that great defense. And and don't forget, they drafted nose tackle Terry Poe, who is a perfect fit for what Cornell wants to do in his 3-4 defense. He is being compared, at least in Henry's article, to a Haloti Nata type nose tackle, who has, he's been an excellent uh, nose tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. Poe is on that type of level. He, he should be a fixture in that defense, and he could really complete that defense, who already has uh, several key players already in the secondary and linebacker position. And also something that I think Henry referenced that was really interesting. We've had all this talk about Peyton Manning in Denver. Well, if we look, think back to that Patriots-Colts rivalry in the last decade, Cornell was the defensive coordinator in New England, as I said. Peyton Manning could never beat those Patriot teams. And you could credit some of it to Tom Brady, but you could say that Cornell has Peyton Manning's number. The Patriots, during one stretch, were 6-0 and against the Colts and Peyton Manning. And the two meetings that the Colts with Peyton Manning faced Cornell when he was the head coach of Cleveland, they beat them both times, but the Colts only scored 13 points and 10 points. And that was, again, a Cleveland team that was below 500 that season. So that that's very interesting that Cornell definitely seems to have the number on Manning. He he knows how to slow down Peyton's offense. And two meetings this year between Denver and Kansas City, a, a great rivalry out there in the AFC West. I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas City takes at least one of those, and maybe both, with the way Cornell can manage that defense and and beat Peyton Manning and... I think Justin Henry put a great argument into why Kansas City is a sleeper out there in the AFC West, and he's convinced me that is now my pick to win the AFC West as of today. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with the fourth and long segment.
And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Hogan. Hopefully I'm brightening up your Monday morning or whatever morning or time of day that you happen to be tuning in. We're going to change up our fourth and long segment a little bit this week. Normally I say a statement and then either punt, that meaning I disagree with the statement, or grunt, I am agreeing with the statement. But uh, And I usually get my statements from three or four articles on our website, footballnation.com. But there was a really interesting uh, article written by Jesse Heller, five NFL playoff teams that will fall short in 2012. Of course, these are playoff teams from 2011, and Jesse is predicting they will not make the playoffs this fall. So I'm going to run through her five teams, and if I'm grunting, I'm agreeing with her that they won't make the playoffs. Uh, punting means, no, I, I think they will. So let's run through these five teams. Her first on her list is the Detroit Lions. And, of course, we talked about the Detroit Lions earlier, uh, just briefly, how they've rebound and really are making that NFC North a really interesting race this fall. Of course, the Lions made their first playoff berth in over a decade uh, last season. They were 10-6, and six, losing, of course, to the New Orleans Saints in the wildcard round. But I'm going to grunt. Um, I, I don't think Detroit is going to make the playoffs this year. I think they could win 9 or 10 games again. But in the NFC, I don't think that's going to be enough this year. Um, especially in that division. I, I'm not saying they're going to lose 4 games to Chicago and... Green Bay, but they very well could. Um, I think they'll be lucky if they go 2-2 two and two in those games. And when you really think about the Lions' season last year, they were 5-0 and to start the season. Um, I, I don't know the specifics of their schedule, but from what I remember, it was, it was against five teams that weren't playoff teams. They hadn't played Green Bay yet. After that 5-0 and start, they lost to teams like Atlanta. Um, San Francisco, they started playing these playoff teams and, and they started getting their losses. So after starting 5-0 and to finish 10-6 and and then lose a playoff game, they really finished the season 5-7. and So yeah, they were playing good teams and yeah, you're going to lose to good teams. Hopefully I, you'd rather lose to good teams than bad teams. Uh, I'm, I, I like Detroit. I like the, the direction that they're going in. I liked that they extended Jim Schwartz a new contract, but, but I don't like them this year. I think they'll take another baby step into getting closer to contending for the Super Bowl, but ultimately I don't. I think they'll fall short of the playoffs and then um, be a real good pick in 2013, but not not this year. Next on the list is Atlanta. Now I think that's a pretty interesting pick. I'm gonna punt. I, I think Atlanta will make the playoffs, but but the reason why I'm I'm definitely sold on it is because the state of the New Orleans Saints right now. Drew Brees is, is unsigned. Uh, they, they don't have Sean Payton. I think it's going to be a mess down there in New Orleans. Uh, I could be wrong. You know, maybe they get things under control and they still win the division. But, you know, there's a lot of hype ar around Cam Newton now, too. So m maybe maybe the Panthers will contend with the Falcons and push Atlanta out of uh, the playoff picture, but I, I like Atlanta. They they have a lot of offensive weapons. 
Their defense was down last year. I, I expect them, the defense to rebound, um, get a little more pressure on the quarterback, and as a result, have a better overall season. But but the, their key is that offense. And, and really the key, they haven't had a problem getting to the playoffs. The key is getting ready to win that playoff game and build their team so that they can make a playoff run. And they've brought in a new offensive coordinator in Dirk Kotirer. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He's a former uh, coach in the Jaguars, uh, Jack, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I like the, the direction that they're going in, reducing Michael Turner's carries, increasing their passing attack, I- increasing some of the other running back roles, and Jason Snelling and, and others. I think the Falcons could be a force to reckon with. At least they, I think they'll win the division in the NFC South. Next on the list is the Denver Broncos. I'm going to grunt. There's really been a lot of talk about Denver and Peyton Manning. I don't think he's going to be 100%. Neither does Jesse. Jesse doesn't think he's even going to be 80%. And I think what we really could see this year is all those years in Indianapolis, what a great offensive line Peyton Manning played with, and us fans took that for granted. We could see Peyton Manning under a lot more duress with this Broncos offensive line. Not that they're a bad offensive line, they're just not as good as the Colts once were. And the defense for Denver was very good last year with Tim Tebow. They stepped up their game. You have to, fans have to realize that the offense and defense are connected to each other. And with the Broncos' running attack last year, they controlled the clock, they controlled the game. Their defense fed on that and were not on the field as often. But with Peyton Manning, they're going to be throwing more, and the Broncos' defense is going to look more like that Colts defense that gave up a lot of points, that gave up a lot of yards. And I I don't think it's going to be a degree for success. I, I think there's a lot of hype around the Broncos, and to be honest, I, I, I like a San Diego or a Kansas City winning that division over Denver, and and, Denver, and nobody from the AFC West, I think, is going to be good enough to make the wild card, so I agree, Broncos, no playoffs. Next one, it gets even tougher on this list, the New York Giants. I'm, I'm going to grunt here, too. Uh, I, I'm really on the fence on this one. I can see the New York Giants having a season like they had after they won their first Super Bowl in 2007 and then in 2008 they started I believe it was 10 and 0 uh to start that year and then it wasn't really until the Plexico Burst shooting himself in the leg did they really reach a hiccup and then after that they weren't the same team but I can certainly see them having a 12 and 4 13 and 3 type season coming off a Super Bowl win like they did before but at the same time, I could really see them having a down year because we have to remember they were 9-7. and seven. They were 9-7 and seven and, and just got hot in January. And I, I don't want to put down the Giants team from last year. It was a good team. They, they Once again, they got on fire at the right time. They, they, they sort of caught lightning in a bottle, you could say. And that usually doesn't happen two years in a row. And I, I, the reason why, the ultimate reason why I'm going to say they're not going to make the playoffs is because the Eagles and the Cowboys. The, the Eagles, they're going to, the, the dream team, I think, is actually going to be good this year. 
uh, with with Andy Reid having a whole off season to prepare and get those guys that he didn't have for a whole summer last year ready, the Eagles should rebound very nicely. There's a lot of hype around the Cowboys. Yeah, we'll see how Tony Romo does. They never seem to pan out, but it could be the Cowboys' year to have a good season as well. That that leaves out the Giants. So right now, I don't think the Giants will make the playoffs. And finally, the fifth team, I think, is a pretty easy choice. The Cincinnati Bengals, I think it's pretty easy that they're not going to make the playoffs. And it, again, it's really just because of that division they're in. Baltimore and Pittsburgh are in it every year. It's every year they, they go 12-4, and four, and I don't think this year is going to be any different. I know there's a, there's quite a few questions surrounding both the Ravens and the Steelers. The Ravens are going to be without Terrell Suggs. The Steelers are making a lot of changes on offense with new offensive coordinator Todd Haley. Mike Wallace might hold out. Uh, they, they don't have Rashard Mendenhall to start the season. Um, more than likely, he will be on the PUP. But the Steelers are the Steelers. The Ravens are the Ravens. They they win games. And Cincinnati is heading in the right direction. They are. They have their young team. They got Andy Dalton, AJ Green. The defense is much improved. They have a up and coming offensive coordinator and Jay Gruden. Um, Marvin Lewis is looking like a really good head coach, and hopefully he stays there in Cincinnati. Um, I might as well mention, while we're on the subject, Sean Mayer and myself's uh, weekly column, I hope I pronounced Sean's last name correctly, um, our duo column called uh, Bump and Run Coverage comes out every Wednesday. We had our first column last week, and it was it was about the Cincinnati Bengals and, and Marvin Lewis, the head coaching situation out there. And it, Sean is a Bengals fan, so he really provided a nice inside scoop on the the Bengals organization and uh, what they might be doing with Marvin Lewis and that offensive coordinator, Jay Gruden. I I bet Sean would disagree with me about who, or uh, about the Bengals going to the playoffs, but I I think it's too much to ask for this young team to get back to that playoffs especially with the the other teams in that division. I think the Bengals are still a few years away from really contending for a Super Bowl. Don't forget that you can contact me via Twitter, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B, or email, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B-06 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear any comments or questions you have about our show, uh, Monday Morning Huddle. And uh, we're going to come back in a little bit and wrap up today's episode. Welcome back to Monday Morning Huddle. We're going to wrap up our fifth episode ever of this show on FootballNation.com. Don't forget to, to tune in to other podcasts on our website. There's a great uh, podcast called Football Nation Today. Uh, comes out Wednesdays with Alex Reamer is the host. Of course, this week he will not be having a new episode. He's on vacation, but uh, tune in to our new episode of Monday Morning Huddle next Monday, and then uh, Football Nation today will have a new episode 
two days later on Wednesday. Also pay attention to Sean and I's column coming out on Wednesday called Bump and Run Coverage. There's a lot of great coverage in that column. Sean and I will be providing every Wednesday. And there's a lot of other great stories on our website, footballnation.com. And I'm going to leave you with one other story. I'm going to let you look up. the. There's been some rankings of by division of the top coaches, top uh, cheerleaders. This one in particular was top uh, fan bases in the AFC North. It was written by a Cleveland Browns fan. A very unbiased opinion, I must say, ranking the Pittsburgh Steelers at number one and the Cleveland Browns at number two. Uh, the Steelers obviously are a much easier team to root for just because of the success they've had. But Cleveland certainly has some very loyal fans out there in Ohio. And uh, according to the the author of the article, Joe Fell, um, quite a following around the, the country and actually around the world. Um, so I would suggest checking out that article as well. See where the other teams are ranked in the division. I already told you one and two. Um, the Steelers and Browns have some of the best fan bases in the NFL, if I do say so myself. That's all we have for Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle this week. I hope I brightened your Monday morning or wherever you're listening. I'm Dave Holcomb. I'm going to go try and find some peace in my mind.